like to request your attention for some instructions. For those of you who uh, have arrived a few days ago, particularly, I'd like to say something uh, about Vedana, a term of very precise meaning that somehow has uh, finds it strangely difficult to find a Western equivalent. The meaning of the term is obvious, it is well defined, it is about pleasure, displeasure, about uh, the immediate response of both our body and our mind to um, resonate with Yeah, pleasure, displeasure. The, t- the technical term tech would uh, closest is probably the, the Greek word hedone from lust, from um, enjoyment, pleasure. And that's precisely what uh, the, the meaning in Buddhist psychology is. So don't be fooled. Uh, some people have translated this as feeling, some people have translated this as emotion. Uh, one famous teacher insists on translating this as sensation. Um, any sober assessment of what Buddhist teaching says on this topic will make fairly obvious that it is neither of the above. It is the simple response of this body and this mind to receive the experience of pleasure, the, the felt immediate, non-intentional response of pleasure or displeasure with any particular experience. Yeah, it could be um, an experience that we are conditioned into liking, say something less, the taste of olives or the appreciation for Bartok's drink quartets, uh, or it could be something that has to do with the nature of the body, namely that somewhere... Um, you know, there's a certain temperature range that seem to be most pleasant for human bodies and much below and much above that seem to uh, unpleasant. Then there is some individual variance in this, but if it really gets below a certain threshold and above a certain threshold, we, we all agree again. So, Vedana can be both natural insofar as they have to do with the building the architecture of human bodies in terms of intensity, temperature, pressure, this kind of thing. Uh, Or they may be uh, habituated. In other words, we have learned to find that pleasurable or we have learned to find that displeasurable. Vedana may be of two sources, they may be of mental origin, in other words, they may be connected with things that turn up in our mind, as thought, as memory, as fantasy, as image, or they may be of um, sensory nature, in other words, that they pertain to the five outer senses, so they may be the result of what I hear, see, taste, touch, smell. Vedana are different from sensation insofar as sensations are things we experience with the body before they are either pleasant or unpleasant. 
Vedana are different from emotion insofar as emotion have volitional content. In other words, they have admixed qualities of liking, which is not a Vedana, which is the, it is the result of Vedana or the response to Vedana. Usually when something is pleasant, we like it. Yeah, that means we, we begin to lean into it. Vedana is not yet the leaning into it. It's not yet the joy associated. It's not yet the desire. Yeah? Vedana is just a pleasure. Usually such pleasure doesn't stay at Vedana level. It stays very... Actually, mostly, it doesn't stay there at all. And it takes a highly trained mind to experience pleasure and just leave it at that. For most minds, and that's what meditation practice tries to achieve, this mind... <clears throat> is actually quite receptive to pleasure and displeasure and then reacts to this experience with leaning into it, that will be liking, what Pali tradition calls anuroda, <coughs> or leaning away from it, what Pali tradition calls viroda, going away, disliking. This then is followed usually by a mood state. You know, If I like it, I, I'm getting interested, I may be joyous, I may be delighted, I may become greedy. Yeah? If I do not like something, as a response to it being unpleasant, I tend to develop uh, an aversion, a wish to move away, and even a, may say, be um, um, grumpiness or aggression or despondency or uh, just feel sort of wilting a bit. Yeah. So it's important to identify Vedana as the beginning of the chain. Right after contact, being contacted, being impinged, uh, there is usually very, very early on in this process the appreciation or the not appreciation of things. And this Vedana is utterly crucial, it's an utterly crucial part in the economy of, of our attention. Habitually, my attention seeks pleasant Vedana and tries studiously to avoid unpleasant Vedana. In fact, that is the critical fact that um, directs most of my involuntary attention. In other words, basically the story is simple. It's, it's, it's this, Vedana rules. Yeah? Um, and if you do not know why you're doing something, just look where is the pleasant Vedana in this, or where is the avoidance of unpleasant Vedana you will find in 90% of the cases some explanation for your apparently erratic behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is necessary to identify as part of your experience. Not because you have much of a choice about it. I believe from the above it has become clear, abundantly clear, that you do not have a choice about Vedana. Vedana is one of the things you do not have a choice about. Uh, it's not intentional. In terms of Buddhist psychology, it's vipaka. Yeah? You get it. And while you get it, the only choice you have is how honest you are going to be about it. And then what you're going to do about it. There you have lots of choices. But whether it appears to you right now, at the moment of experience, is pleasant or unpleasant, you don't have a choice. You can say, this is immoral. You know, I don't consent with indulging in this. Fair enough. So you may have a pleasant Vedana, which you then declare, declare to be immoral. And then you have an unpleasant Vedana, for you don't want to be an immoral person. But the basic rock-bottom experience um, 
is still pleasant or unpleasant. And it's necessary to acknowledge this, because unless we're acknowledging this, we keep trying to, you know, to bolt the stable after the horse is out, basically. Yeah. So that's why Buddhist uh, Satipatthana teachings insist that we learn to identify Vedana in the sequence, in the chain that give rise to thought, give rise to emotion, give rise to volition. So how to do that? Well, we do a gradual introduction to this. We, um, the basic idea is you stay with your anapanasati primary task. So when you sit, you do mindfulness of breathing. When you walk, you do mindfulness of your sensation. But every time you find yourself distracted, every time you find yourself not on plan A, before coming back to plan A, which remember is plan B, um, before doing that, you acknowledge what preoccupies your mind right now, obviously outside of your, of your declared exercise proper, uh, what preoccupies you right now? Is this A, pleasant or unpleasant? B, is this of mental origin? In other words, does it come from a thought, a memory, uh, a fantasy, a concept? Or does it come from one of your other senses. In other words, is it for physical origin? Yeah? So you have two questions. When you find yourself somewhere else than on your meditation object, <coughs> you acknowledge that this is the case, and before returning to your meditation object, you just make a brief little sort of scratch statistic. Is this pleasant, unpleasant? Don't put the bar too high. Yeah? So some things are mildly pleasant and they tend to not register, but still, if you're actually careful, you notice it's more pleasant than it is unpleasant. And <clears throat> second question, is it mental or is it physical? Does it come from inside? Have I conjured it up right now? Or has it been the result of a stimulus from outside? No analysis, no big investigations, just a little scratch statistic. Unpleasant, mental, thank you. Yeah? Bird tweeting, pleasant, physical. Thank you. Back to thinking of unpaid taxes, mental, unpleasant. Yeah, back to the breath. Things like that. If you find yourself through the day moving, uh, if you notice you're too late for the asparagus dish or so, everybody else was there before, empty dish, unpleasant, physical. Okay? Visual stimulus counts as physical, empty asparagus dish, empty plate in my hand, unpleasant. Okay? So if you find things like that during the day, if the meters of pleasant, unpleasant, just kind of register, just pay a little attention whether you can get hold of this in your, in your day. It doesn't have to be on this cushion. Now you will rightly uh, interject to say there is a third type of Vedana which uh, many people claim is neutral. I am of the school that thinks that it is not true. There is no neutral Vedana. The only type of Vedana <coughs> that exists in between pleasant and unpleasant, it has the beautiful name of Adukamasukaya Vedana, um, meaning it's bas basically we're indifferent towards it. It doesn't lean enough into the pleasant or into the unpleasant to be registering as such. 
It's not upeka, okay? Indifferent. Adukama Sukhaya Vedana is not upeka. It's not that you're just calm and everything is hunky-dory and you finally have made upekanyana, sankarupekanyana. This is not the idea. Adukama Sukhaya Vedana simply means we're not interested in it. It doesn't register on the scale of pleasure or displeasure. Often subtly pleasurable pleasurable things do not register and subtly unpleasant things do not register on the scale. So the meditative mind will generally make you more sensitive and we begin to acknowledge the subtle pleasant things, you know. Possibly your breathing may become subtly pleasant. In fact, if you find that the case, you very likely will soon find it gets quite ecstatically pleasant to just sit there and stroke your organs with your in-breath and your out-breath. This can be highly pleasing, even though, um, you know, at six in the morning when you try to do this, you know, this sounds rather remote possibility. But with a little bit of samadhi and a little bit of energy and PT, suddenly this becomes a very pleasant experience. So don't be fooled. The same things don't always give us the same response of pleasure or displeasure. I generally know if my tea doesn't taste in the morning, this is going to be a bad day. Yeah. <clears throat> At least that's what my wife says. You know. <laughs> when I say the tea doesn't taste, she says, oh, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. Acknowledging, basically, the, the, since I drink the same tea, uh, the problem <clears throat> is not with the tea. You know, the problem is with the appreciative subjective end of the field, yeah? Um, so uh, don't be fooled. The, the, the things that you do n- will not always produce in a mechanical way the same amount of pleasure or displeasure. Yeah? Sometimes we're quite baffled that something we hate turns out to be surprisingly agreeable, you know, if we actually go, go back into it. So take care a little bit of this scratch statistic, continue to deepen your anapanasati exercises, and just take note, whenever the meter goes into ooh, or ooh, yeah, as, so, as soon as it starts talking, it's no longer Vedana, you can be pretty sure. Yeah? Vedana does not talk. It only makes little grunting noises. It's a preverbal response of the mind, and... Uh, it generally has a somatic resonance. You know? Pleasant Vedana is usually mirrored by um, a kind of something perks up. An unpleasant Vedana usually is uh, mirrored by something kind of shrivels up slightly. Yeah? And it, often these things are so baked into each other that we do uh, the, the experience of the unpleasant, the physical response to it, and the uh, mood state that sets in after that is often baked into each other so that we find it hard to even distinguish this. And one of the tasks of this exercise, one of the tasks of Satipatthana proper is to learn to chart the, the career of an experience more clearly, to orient to different phases of that process. Because in, di- in those different phases we have possibilities. If that phase is over, then this possibility has closed up. We need to do something else. So by being able to acknowledge Vedana is a very useful skill because you can acknowledge this and you have more leeway in how to hold, how to respond, rather than just habituate, in sort of a habituated way, um, 
run the whole program from pleasant Vedana. Oh yes, let's get it. Uh, not there early enough. Somebody else got it before me. Frustrated, grumpy, helpless, despondent. Uh, then going into some compensatory activity and coming back, trying to be there earlier next time or so. Yeah? We don't have to run this whole program. We can just say, oh, unpleasant Vedana. I can live with that. I've survived many of those. This won't kill me. Yes, truly. And now, already, if I don't add anything, it's fading. Subsiding of unpleasant Vedana is pleasant Vedana. How nice. Yeah. How nice to finally not be angry anymore. How nice to not be frustrated. How nice not to feel helpless. <sighs> Back to the breath, grateful, continuing with my practice. Kind of, yeah. You get the gist. So please practice well.